Welcome back to another episode of the Inside Tips Podcast. My name is John Hayes, and this podcast is aimed to help you grow well within your pursuit of a music career. This episode is going to be tackling kind of this problem I think that you and I go through as independent artists of believing that, you know, a record deal will kind of solve all of our problems, that once we sign to some big record label, then that will be the key to unlock all of our wildest dreams. And yet, I think as I've learned more and more about the music industry, I've realized that there's a lot of hard work that goes into um, being ready for a record deal to begin with. But then even once you get that, you know, holy grail opportunity, as you and I often think about it, um, you come to realize that there's a lot of hard work that goes into even being a signed artist of just trying to go after building a really great platform and a big one. So um, I got to sit down with the lead singer of a band called Valley Heart. Um, the lead singer's name is Kevin Klein, and he and I got to sit down and just talk about the differences and similarities he's seen between being an independent artist for a long time, uh, part of different bands as well as a solo project, and his experience once his band got signed to Rise Records. So without any further ado, here's Kevin Klein talking about his experience between being an independent artist and a signed one. Dude, so how long have you been back from, was it Dominican Republic you were out to? Uh, Peru. Well, Peru? Yeah. yeah Dang, Peru. man. So how yeah. long have you been home? Um, came back April 2nd, so over a month now. Yeah, it's been a while. So, like, give me the lowdown. What was that like? I mean, uh, I was thinking to myself, like, that must really stink. I mean, if I, <laughs> if my wife and I took a vacation, it would be like, you know, we'd have just enough money to be able to stay there at a the time we planned on. So, if yeah, we were stuck in yeah. a situation, I'd be, like, running up a credit card bill. Oh, dude. I mean, yes. But luckily, <laughs> luckily, things are really cheap, relatively cheap there. Okay. And, you know, we had planned on doing so many excursions and, like, you know, doing all that stuff. And because of the lockdown, four or five days into our trip, we didn't get to do any of that stuff. So kind of the money kind of the money part kind of leveled out because leveled out, yeah. <laughs> leveled out, you know, and like, you know, like you and like people like support, like supporting us was was huge because our biggest expense was the Airbnb that we had to stay for for like, you know, three weeks with really rack. That was like a huge expense. So in some ways it was more, but um, because uh, we did stay longer than anticipated. Yeah. Uh, but but dude, luckily it all worked out. Luckily it all panned out. She she got home safe and I got home safe. And we're actually from different countries, so we took different flights back. And yeah. I was worried like being separated, but it all it all panned out and we're all we're both back in our respective homes. <laughs> yeah. That's quite the yeah. adventure, huh? <laughs> crazy it was it was a crazy time <laughs> dang man so yeah. i know so what are you up to right now as far as uh i'd seen stuff on facebook of you working as a as a bartender um mm -hmm. kind of doing craft drinks and all kind of stuff and so what's what's your day-to-day uh, -day look like right now with the corona stuff well with corona stuff um it looks like me um eating a pint of uh cookies and creams uh <laughs> Jerry and Netflix and maybe writing a song but before that um it was uh yeah i bartend and i bartend uh, locally, uh, just at like a craft cocktail kind of place. And uh, yeah, I do it a few days a week and I do it along with uh, music stuff and kind of started to do some production stuff with people. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, it's only, I do it, like only do it like three or four days a week, but it's Sweet. something I enjoy doing. It's, uh, awesome. it's fun. It's nice. Um, but you know, lots changing now. I don't know what that's going to look like. You know, I mean, even when things go back, like the restaurant industry in general, it's changing, you know, immensely. I mean, yeah people going back enjoying something like a dine-in experience at like a place like I work is like a f kind of called fine dining. So it's like, you know, for people who are like trying to splurge and like, I don't think that splurge mentality is going to be something that's going to be sticking with us for, for a while. And maybe that might yeah. be great, but I mean, it's really interesting time. I think for a lot of, um, for a lot of restaurant industry people. And I think a lot of people are figuring out what they're going to do next. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, so you've really been doing production stuff as well. So you've been doing like yep. kind of supplemental income, just like mixing and producing for people. Exactly. Yeah. Sweet. Just, um, you know, mixing, but also just like meeting up with people and doing like production stuff, going to different studios, kind of putting on different hats in terms of like producer or engineer, like learning a little bit more about the engineering side of things, which has been mm -hmm. really fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's something I always kind of did on my own for myself, like pre-production, but it's something that I realized I, I really enjoy doing as well for other people. So, um, yeah, just kind of doing that supplementally and seeing where it goes. Yeah. Which actually you, you mentioning producing actually, um, brought up a question I had from, uh, you, you're familiar with, with a producer called Jake Rye. You familiar with him? Jake Rye, no. You ever heard of the band Michigander? They're kind of like, uh, I, I don't, I don't. 
are they from Michigan? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they're part of like the um, – uh, like the just the Midwest, like indie scene sort of thing. Um, obviously, okay. they're from Michigan. Uh, it'd be kind of yeah. inappropriate for them to be called that. Um, but he's, I mean, it might be kind of cool. Like, we got you. We're from Arizona. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I've been talking with him because uh, he's a great producer. He was the bass player for Sanctus Real, and then he left them uh, oh, yeah. and started producing on his own. So it's funny you mentioned Sanctus Real. I like, like after years when I was singing that band, like a couple days ago, like I was just in a mood. And I, like, jammed their whole, like, first album or something. So, oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny that you said that. That is funny, dude. Honestly, and, I, and I haven't thought about that band in years. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's funny that you say that because, um, like, I'm going to feel bad if Jake watches this, but I'm sure he understands everybody has different tastes. But, like, I was never, I never really got huge into Sanctus Real. I think it's because, I mean, I don't really know why. I just never really, like, gripped onto them. I was, like, maybe because yeah. I was a little too young. I mean, I was working into like the ccm stuff once like you know 10th avenue north was like the main thing and all that kind of stuff yeah, you know yeah. and then i quickly like went from that into like just straight up skillet and then like the hardcore <laughs> post hardcore and everything tattoo that just says straight up skillet yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> playing around yeah yeah exactly so um but anyway so i was talking to him about um i'm looking to work with him with some like upcoming tracks and albums and everything and he talked about how like the talent for like or just the year for production uh takes like so many years of working the industry to be able to like hear what songs need but he was he was kind of talking about in a way that i hadn't thought of and he was kind of making it sound like arranging and producing are two different things so i wasn't sure if you could like shed some light on what exactly is production because i always thought of production as like the texture and like the, the more of i guess what's really like the arranging sort of thing of what instrument's going to play which parts sure. but well, the way he was talking about it, I was like, I do not know what production is whatsoever if it's not that. Yeah. So. I mean, like he said, um, I think it takes years to kind of to learn and to understand, which for me is exciting, right? Because it's like there isn't a light switch of like there isn't a degree or something that you just get and then you just know, you know, it's right. really experience based thing. And it's really, really, really an intuitive thing. I think it's mm -hmm. really based on like how you understand and see things. And I think like you for years, like, you know, when I would record when I was like a teenager and like with bands and whatnot, we go into the studio and like, I think all oh, production, production, I would think in terms of like, yeah, like adding cool little elements or like doing like weird stuff with the drums or like well, pr the production side of things was like adding like creative elements and like arranging stuff, right? Right, yeah. But I think what maybe he's trying to get in, I don't know, but something that I've, I've learned personally is that like production from a technical perspective can be a lot more like sonically listening to sonically listening to the instruments and understanding how do you paint a picture of what this artist or band is trying to say not just by adding a cool little like arrangement but like sonically like all right we want the bass to be present or like how everything balances is mm -hmm. like really a creative choice and like the technicality itself is not just about making things sound good it's making them sound how crafting this you know the uh uh, the sonic range about how you want things to sound you know like i think it's, it's technical in a creative way not in a technical way okay. you know so i think it has to do with like really really like listening and being like oh, all right like how do, how do i want to paint this picture of the song you know sonic wow yeah it sounds a lot more nuanced space because i've been like taking a uh, like an online course from uh, you, you know graham cochran you familiar with him mm -hmm. Dude, yeah. yeah he's great he's so great so yeah, I get his emails all the time yeah, yeah. So I got one of his emails and he was talking about um, he opened up his like uh, community, his online community. Uh, you usually have to pay like 60 bucks for a year, but he okay. opened it up to his email list and made it free for like 90 days. So I like jumped on oh. that ASAP and uh, I was able to get like uh, his one of his like basic first courses called Rethink Mixing uh, for free, which was super dope. And I was like, this is awesome. I get to learn how to mix. But it's funny you, you mentioned that it kind of like I don't know, puts it in proper context because I'm realizing like engineering is just about making sure that everything like doesn't clash with each other from a frequency perspective. But then, yeah, and then you have like, you know, your static mix sort of thing to make sure that things, you know, are able to be heard within the mix and everything. But then you're talking about with production is like even more nuanced of like, well, this might sound like good from like an overall perspective like from an engineer's perspective right. but then you have to make sure that like if it's a heavy metal song sort of thing you need like bass and drums and, and guitar sort of thing to be more forward than they would yeah. be in like a pop song so uh, yeah dude it's like yeah yeah oh my word it's overwhelming you, you just like take it and technically make it sound good but to, to have that perspective of like 
what does this song need? What does this artist need? Like that, I think is like veering into like halfway, like between production and arranging. But yeah, it's interesting and it's fun because I think it's it's beautiful because there's like there's no right answer. You know, it's like hmm. you can like what a song needs is what it needs. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I think that that's the difficult part too. Is I think you know like stepping into more of a student role is like you want to know all the right answers, sort of thing. You know, and then it's yeah. like yeah, the experience part is like yeah being able to know what the right answer is without having right answers which is a pretty uh pretty difficult feat so. totally. yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. cool man well hey uh yeah thanks for sitting down and talking man i, I appreciate it i've been um just interviewing different people from different perspectives um kind of mostly i think so far either people that are kind of on my level or a couple steps ahead sort of thing and i think uh being able to talk with you i think is going to be able to uh kind of increase the the reach i've been able to have here on the the channel on the podcast for uh just getting more um professional insight but still from a person that's like still within grasp sort of thing i think there's like this uh i don't know i, th I think it's like what we were talking about over text is like just kind of breaking down like I don't know, kind of the false narrative with like getting signed sort of thing. And I think as, as I've learned more about the industry, I've gone, wow, like you could get signed and not be doing anywhere near as well as like an independent band, which I think like you've been able to, to, to show that to me too, of like how successful you were with, uh, with exiting the fall and then Valley heart and, uh, things definitely blew up for you guys with, with getting signed to, to, Am I allowed to say the record label? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, with getting signed to Rise, but uh, it was really interesting seeing like, yeah, you had to put a lot of work in to be able to get to that point in the first place rather than like, I think my mindset and maybe your mindset when like being a teenager is like, oh, I just like have some talent scout in the back of one of my concerts and all of a sudden he comes up and we go from playing an open mic to like, a European world tour or whatever, you know? <laughs> um, so I wanted, I wanted to, to have you on just to kind of shed some light into, I think, yeah, just to speak into that like false narrative of like what a record deal from your perspective did do and didn't do for you and kind of what you noticed for like the pluses and minuses of, of independent as well as being signed because I know you've, you spent like what, 10, 15 years being independent and then yeah. step into being signed for about like three years and now are back to being yeah. independent again. So I'd love for you to, to, you know, you can kind of share the story of like how that all happened and, and kind of what your uh, experience was with that. Yeah, totally. Um, well, I'll start by saying I think that um, everyone's story is different, right? I think that mm. everyone has a different experience. So none of what I say is like verbatim of like what everyone will go through or, you know, experience. Um, but just personally, this is the experience that, that I had. Um, but yeah, I think like you, like when you're younger, you know, I was in a band called Exiting the Fall and we like a big goal of ours i think like this this ambition was to like you know like get the attention of like industry like labels or whatever and i remember it was like a big deal for us and like you know and and, and if i'm honest with you like i think that was one of the things that like ended up like splitting us apart and uh, along with like life and just you yeah. know people moving away but i think there was just this like internal pressure of like we need to, like we either need to like get signed and like do a thing or like this isn't going anywhere right and mm. I think that mentality like wasn't helpful to just the vibe creativity or just like anything really like looking back on it I'm like wow like we were just really like aiming for the wrong thing like I'm not saying that's a bad thing right but I'm saying that like when that's your single aim like that can really ruin a lot of like perspective especially when you're creating and you're mm -hmm. like trying to feel good about what you're doing and feel excited and like feel like you're in a room playing with people then it feels good like you know yeah. Um, all that when that goes to the wayside and that's like your single goal like that's when things start getting a little weird um but i don't know with with valley heart we we started the band in i think 2016 and uh we like had gotten like label offers before we even announced as a band because we i was doing like solo stuff at the time and like i had put out some music through that and like had been in conversation with some people so we had some opportunities and then you know but we decided not to really take any chances uh and go at first with anyone before because i was like you know what it'd be really cool to just like put our music out there see what happens not like take any chances not like just put our eggs in one basket you know mm -hmm. um so we released an ep in 2016 and did this thing we played some shows we did some tours um, and then, yeah, we got approached by Rise, I think it was 2017 or maybe, no, or maybe a little before. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, again, at first 
it was it was good and there were some good parts of it but um personally i think for us um i think being a smaller band working with such a big label is is a risk right and yeah you knew that going in and i mean they knew that right so it's 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 really tough when you don't have much leverage Mm -hmm. you know and because it's not like hey like we're doing this together which now my view on it is like that if you can do that i think that might be your best case scenario you know that meaning like doing it together with a label sort of thing like more of a partnership like like getting to getting to a point where you've created your fan base getting to a Mm -hmm. point where you have you know people who care about your music and people who you know who just just or not even people care about your music but more you're excited about what you're doing and you have an infrastructure within your your group or whatever yeah and then you tag team along with someone who who helps enhance those things right yeah Um, as opposed to like oh here's a small band we're going to try to break them which absolutely works for a lot of for a lot of groups specifically pop artists and, and stuff like that i think um but for us, I think it was like a case of like, you know, we put out our EP, put our EP through them again. And it was kind of just like a lot going on at the time for them, I think. And it wasn't like really organized release. And it kind of like, you know, to us, it did well, like beyond our, my dreams of like how many people have listened to that first EP. Yeah. Uh, but for them, I think it was like they were a little just like, oh, like they wanted it to like blow, blow up, you know, and I think it didn't blow, blow up. And the guy we were talking to at the time was kind of, you know, it was just kind of hard to like tap into his brain and be like hey dude like we're, we're down to keep trying you know i think they were just i think they just you know big labels i think sometimes they just like sign bands and they just like hope that one out of the five they choose like just kind of like yeah. like makes it and then it's unfortunate to say but the ones that don't they're just kind of like well i you know we gave it a shot and it's like a loss for them but for the band on the other side it's kind of like all right we're like still trying like we need your support or we need to know what's up and that's where we kind of like got with with that label it was like I was like, hey, listen, like, if you're not about this anymore, that's totally cool. But like, just let us do our own thing. Mm. And that's, that's fine. So that's, you know, and then we agreed with that. And then that's kind of where we're at now. Um, so yeah, it wasn't the worst experience, but it wasn't something that I, I would say was like, fruitful, not even just for us, but for them, really, like, it wasn't some it wasn't a relationship that like, was like, super like fruitful and like, you know, like, beneficial, I would say for both. Mm. But I don't know, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not gonna say like, oh, yeah, like, signing to labels like not, not a good thing it's bad or like being independent it's like bad or the way to go it's like i think it really is case by case and i think that depending on your genre depending on your how you work depending on your just your story like it can completely be different in every way you know i think uh yeah. there are some bands out there that like do everything themselves like down to the music videos and mm. the recording and even the mastering like everything marketing like and they're killing it. They're doing everything they want to do. And that's, that's amazing. There are other people who are more limited where they could use that support, you know? So I, I think it's important to not like put your mind into one, like, oh, this is the right way or the wrong way, but kind of just, uh, just understand who you are and like where you're at and if it's a good idea. So now like we're just doing our thing and, and we, we have been talking to some labels, but um, again, I'm like being really cautious and want to make sure that anything we do is like really like a partnership and, and like, not just like us trying to like tag along to some big label to like try to blow us up. Cause like, that's, that's not the way to, to think, I think is what I've realized, you know? Yeah. 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 And so like, what's the main reason for, for like caution with, for, for you with like talking to other labels? I, I, know, I know you've kind of talked about, um, you know, I don't know, maybe the mindset sort of thing and just trying to be careful, but is there like a specific fear of like trying not to like give too much of like, I don't know, I guess like royalty rights away or like, well, what's the main like caution for you as far as with, yeah. with wanting to partner with the label? Um, I think, I think that labels these days are losing a lot of the roles that they used to play mm. uh, in terms of like, getting music out there in terms of like being those mediators that that they still are but i think that as time goes on it's getting a bit easier with spotify and streaming services and just social media to do that for yourself um but with that said i think that labels um they still serve a purpose in terms of of marketing right so i think when you go like on a label site and you see like uh, like I listen to X band and like, Oh, I want to listen to more bands that sound like this kind of band. Like where, like, Oh, like you kind of get into this like groove or mind about like a certain style and you kind of get into this culture. I think yeah. label still is a really good place to like kind of centralize culture and like 
genre and like you know kind of just like finding new artists and like kind of the like marketing PR sense like the word of mouth thing even like oh let me see who's on this this label's website you know Mm -hmm. so I think for me as weird as it sounds like I want to make sure that we're you know we're with someone that like it makes sense for us because with with Rise it was like we were like okay even when we were like thinking about doing it we're like okay we're really different than like a lot of you know bands on this on this label we were like you know what whatever we'll take a chance to see what happens you know we might be we might be the different ones but it might work but I don't know it just it seemed out of place like the it was just a weird thing. But I think for me, for me, something that's important is to be with people who kind of get what we're trying to go for musically and yeah. where we, you know, we kind of fit, you know, not, not perfectly, but we, we fit into some sort of like, you know, thing that makes sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And so like, um, what was you guys, I mean, I wanted to touch on what you talked about with, um, with the marketing difference. I mean, I, I think for me, you know, I, I've realized like, just like my short stint of like, just trying to get plugged in with like a local scene here in Michigan and everything. And, and, and even with like, digital releases and all that kind of stuff i mean yeah it can be pretty overwhelming in the beginning of like how in the world do you like make your one little single stick out from like i think spotify gets like twenty thousand submissions a day or something like that for new songs you know what i'm saying so you know i think we're talking to a lot of people like they've they've mentioned how marketing is kind of king nowadays because you know that's kind of the main thing which i'm sure it's always been the main thing but it's it's as like media, whether it be social media, you know, news coverage, you know, local channels, uh, internet websites, all that kind of stuff as it grows more and more and more, especially the internet, like you need to have experience and insight and resources to be able to like make your head stick out above the rest sort of thing. And then as you make your head stick out above the rest, obviously that, that, um, I think that like acceleration starts to accelerate in and of itself sort of thing. That little bit of momentum you get can kind of snowball. Um, but so, so what was your main like insight? I think, cause for me, I would think, Oh, boom, I, you know, I get on a record label. I've got a great marketing team, which I think is, is true. At least like going from where I'm at sort of thing to, you know, the marketing team that is a standard thing with, with many record labels. So what's been your experience with that? Was there a big marketing difference sort of thing? If you guys online traction and everything or, or not so much? I mean, I'll be honest, there was some, mm-hmm. but I think there it was just through kind of normal association with people who followed that label. They were like mm-hmm. people who were on their site, but I'll be honest with you. Like, I think we did like one PR thing for like everyone I've ever loved, like one like shootout email. And that was it. Like everything else marketing wise, like the imaging, the posts, everything was just me like and stuff with us. Like, wow. None of it was like, a team it was just all like me sitting down which honestly isn't encouraging for me because i was like okay cool like i can do this like yeah. you know like you just and i think it's not just me but like there are just tons of bands that i i look up to like that are killing it right now that they just they they just get it's just about honing in on that vision like what do you want to say like what do you want to like show in yourself in your song or whatever and if you really are sure of that, like you can find a way to represent that. Well, it's, it's hard. It's a lot of work, but you know, um, I think for me, like the experience of being on a label, I show that like, okay, I can't rely on this cause they're not, they're literally not helping me with this. So I'm going to just learn how to do it on my own. And I mean, I definitely could use some help and I'm open to help, but it, you know, for what, where we're at now, where we've gotten, yeah, a lot of that stuff was just like creating, you know, uh, I don't know, just, promotional stuff and just trying to just get our music out there and yeah and trusting that i don't know trusting the songs would just speak for themselves which is really hard to say with so much noise and saturation these days like but i i I still think i'm still a believer that that's the biggest thing you know i think that i'm just a believer that like that you put out something into the world and if it's amazing it will find its way to the ears that it will need to be hmm. found out. You know, like I just yeah, yeah, I know yeah, yeah. I have a romantic view, but that's the only thing that keeps me sane because if, if I don't think like that, I just get way too stressed about like marketing and releasing and like stuff like that. And it completely just distorts like how I think of everything creatively. And I just got, yeah. you know, kind of just got to like trust that like what you're doing is, is something that needs to be said and something mm. that's true and real and, and just kind of hope for the, like every release just feels like a hope for the best. I mean, from where I'm at still at this point, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. exciting. It's fun and still got a long way to go. So, yeah, no, I think that's really wise. I think that's uh, I mean, that even inspires like peace within my own heart sort of thing of like, you know, I think especially um, getting started out where 
I think because like the internet has grown so much, all the numbers are like so huge, you know, to where I was thinking about this, even just like some YouTube videos I've uploaded and like getting my first like couple of subscribers and everything. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, 10 years ago, I've probably been like, oh man, this is cool. Like, I don't know, one of my songs has like a thousand listens. And it's like 10 years ago, that have been like, oh my word, my song got yeah, listened yeah. to a thousand times, you know? Oh, know? But now it's it's like, well, it's not 10,000. Like it's not it's not 10,000, it's not 100,000. That's like, that's what the, where the real big league starts sort of thing, or, or not even. It's like, that's where the legitimate minor leagues start in my head. Well, that, that's the tough thing though. It's like gauging like that, thing of success is so hard because all right let's say your song hits a million views or something like then you got like billy eilish with like 100 billion like you know what i mean like there's there's no scale really like who are you scaling yourself by like it's like you said it's grown to a size that like so that's why i try i try right and i'm I, i fail all the time but i try to like not think too much about that stuff because it's completely disproportional and it's completely a wild place in, in your mind to like try to just scale yourself in some way. Because yeah, if you're just someone who wants to start out and you have something amazing, like you should just do it. Like you shouldn't think about that. You know, I know in an ideal world. Right. But it's, that's how I try to think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, but but I think that that mindset of what you're saying of like, of trusting that, um, I think I would add one thing. You were saying trusting that when I release this thing, it'll end up in the years it needs to end up in. I think I would add the metric of time into that. I think that's the thing I need to focus on the yeah, most. It's like, like just starting off, I was like, oh man, why is this like, it's taking forever, you know? And it's like, you know, you work for like two years and I just now just started to like infiltrate my own local music scene of like starting to open up for local bands and everything. And that took yeah. like two years of just like living in a place and getting to know people just yeah. to barely get a toe in the door sort of thing, you know? And it's like, but it's like realizing that it's like, okay, but over time, like once again, like the thing I was talking about before, like you get your head to stick out above the mass, it's just a tiny little bit and that yeah. little bit starts to grow exponentially sort of thing, you know? Um, go ahead. No, I, I think that's just, that's so good. It's so true. And I think giving it time is is really hard because I think <laughs> we live in a culture now that's like, you just, it feels like, especially in the entertainment industry, it just feels like you got one shot, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you don't, like what's the first week sales or all that stuff, you know? Yeah, I get it. There's there's a whole industry to that, but I think yeah, like in terms of like putting your music out there, like you, it's it's about trust. You just gotta like trust that it will. And again, if you believe in it, like you gotta trust they'll do its thing and that it'll, yeah. you know, and and you gotta do your part. But you know, you can't try to just like hold on to that thing. You know, it's like, but yeah, in, infiltrating music scene is is definitely another thing, right? Like just being a part of it, right? Like to. Yeah. to it's like any community. It takes, takes time, you know, it takes, takes relationships. It takes trust. It takes like you doing stuff, you know, you mm-hmm. it takes you playing shows and familiar faces. Like I know that person, like, you know, like I've seen them all who are, you know, it's like, it, it just, it's how we are as people, you know, yeah. but that's not yeah. how the internet is, right. It's like, you have a minute to decide or judge something for how it is. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like in real life, like that's not how stuff works, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So actually I wanted to, there's like a man, there's like a couple questions that I have kind of all centered around um, kind of the same thing. So we're talking about internet, we're talking about music scene. Um, and so kind of the next like category I wanted to head on to is like the difference you saw between um, like touring as an independent band versus touring as a, as a signed band, you know, yeah. uh, and maybe getting to, you know, once again, maybe address false dialogues as well as giving some insight into things people don't even think about. You know what I'm saying? Things you don't even like kind of realize until you start touring with, with people that have been doing it for a long time and, and kind of the difference between that. So what was your experience with, with like the touring independently versus signed? Absolutely none. Was it really? <laughs> it was the same exact thing. Um, but again, that's because like there wasn't much of a team built, mm-hmm. right? Like everything that everything that I had been doing like before getting signed, it was just an extension of that. Right. Mm. Um, so there wasn't this just like big moment of like, you know, like getting huge, like writers and playing big venues. And, and that does happen for some people. Um, but I really can't speak to that because the tours that we did, even after getting signed, they were more like independent tours. Like I, mm. one of the tours, like I booked half of it. And like another guy, um, Mitchell who plays in a band called uh, mountains like wax. Um, we both booked that tour. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's tough because I can't personally speak to that, but I do know it, it happens. Um, 
we did a tour with my epic last year um but that had nothing to do with the label but that was cool but again it felt very much like things we had been doing for years like yeah playing you know like kind of 100 150 200 cap rooms um it was fun it was a blast it was such a great experience but it wasn't like like a light switch of like everything's changed now you know it's like kind of just keep doing your thing and like uh yeah that's that's kind of how it was for us yeah yeah that's fair yeah so i guess it leads me to to my next question which is um i knew I, i know obviously from uh uh i listened to you guys interview with um night drives podcast years ago you remember when you were down in uh you're down in lynchburg virginia it was like your first valley heart tour yeah, yeah, with with Blake. Yeah, yeah. So I remember, I remember listening to that uh, a couple times, and I was like, "Man, this is some, this is some really cool insight stuff." But um, I remember you guys oh, talking about store, man. Yeah, yeah. I remember, yeah. I remember that because I remember. Um, oh man, when you guys released uh, nowadays, I think it was like the day before my. I think it was the no. When you, your guys' album release show was the day of my birthday, and I was, uh, oh, I was actually, wow. I was actually in Israel on a on a school trip. So I was like streaming nowadays. What was that March 16? No, when's your no, I'm March 18. So I think you guys. Okay, maybe yeah. like, maybe I'm or it's either the 17th or the 18th. Probably the 18th. Yeah. I think yeah, it, it might have been the, the the 17th. I'm not sure, but I remember streaming you guys' uh, album because I've been like waiting for it, and I was like listening to it in this like youth hostel we were like staying in as like a cheap hotel or something like that over in Israel. Um, but I remember anyways. I remember you talking to to Blake and talking about how a lot of the guys, a lot of the connections and like infrastructure you had set up in exiting the fall by like kind of touring nationally with, with that, you know, um, really kind of fed into having some sort of basis to go off with Valley Heart. Obviously you kind of did a genre change to where, uh, you know, I think you guys lost a lot of context with that, but I kind of wanted to, to, to say all that to frame this next question, which is um, obviously with the internet thing, we we're talking about how, internet can be an advantage because you're able to reach way more people than you could ever reach physically sort of thing, you know, with like, with a lot less money going behind it. Um, but there's also this disadvantage of there's like this tapping into like the worst part of human nature, which is like, you're judging things by its cover. And it's like, if it doesn't interest me in like three seconds or less, then I'm going to click on the next thing, you know, whereas with a, with an actual in-person show or a relationship or whatever, you're able to talk to that person, you put a face to the music and all of a sudden, you know, you can have a lot more grip on somebody's heart as an artist or a band by having a face-to-face interaction than some ad on Facebook. So uh, you know, to thinking about exiting the falls structure and everything uh, across the country and how you guys kind of tapped into that with Valley Heart. Um, for the age we're in right now, which is very internet driven, do you think a band should try to, I don't know, I guess like infiltrate different markets by internet traffic or infiltrate different markets by trying to you know, even though it costs like a ton of money trying to play as many shows in the local market and then trying to trying to play as many shows in the new markets you're trying to get into, even if you don't have much of a following there. So like, what's the best way to build up a following? Internet or trying to play shows in these different places, even though it costs a ton of money? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good, great question. Um, I think like the label stuff, like we talked about and everything else, I think there isn't a right answer. I think it mm-hmm. really depends on the type of band that you're in or artist that you are. Um, it depends on what kind of place in life that you're at, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it depends on the genre too. I think that, you know, if you're, if you're in your like late twenties and you know, you have a band with people with married and kids, it's, it's going to be hard to, to, to tour all the time and play shows off the bat, you know, especially if you're starting out, like where you're not making like money, like playing, you know, you're just kind of like yeah. doing it. You love it. Um, I think that's harder. And I think that that's what causes a lot of bands to quit. So I think in that way, the internet's good where it's like, you, you don't have to be touring all the time to be a productive musician, right? Like you you're can, right. you're releasing music, you're releasing content and you could still feel like you're a part of some community. Right. So, um, I try to think of it with like positives on both ends because it's really easy for me to be like a big cynic about the internet and like, yeah. Oh man, this is like, this all sucks. Like we're just, we're, we're completely losing our sense of like how everything is. And I find myself in that headspace a lot, but then I always have to bring myself back down. Cause I'm like, this is the reality of where we're in. And there has to, there, there is good in it. And you have to bring out that good and not just like discard the whole thing altogether. Because uh, I mean, you can, if you're like, you know, Sufjan Steven, then you're barely on. <laughs> you just like, do your thing. <laughs> like, 
you know, but it's like, again, that's why I think it depends on the type of artist where like some, some markets and some genres, I think expect online presence and they expect yeah. like a really strong online presence. Mm-hmm. I think there are other genres and kind of other circles that like, it's not as important or it's like, it's viewed in a different way. It's like almost if you have too much of an online presence, it's like not cool. Like it's like, like do mm-hmm. relax, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I really think it's about figuring out that balance of like, you don't want to be that over the top, like, like too much content. Like it just feels forced. Like I think, I think people are catching on to that. And I have a theory that it's, it's going to revert back to a lot of like in a new way, like a lot of different things. I think, I don't know. I think like everything in life, like history repeats itself, right? Like I think in the eighties, there was just like a huge, like, like production and like, you know, there wasn't the internet, but there was like, you know, music in the eighties was, was awesome, but it was very like appearance based, right? Like, Mm. like, it was glamorous. It was big. It was music videos. It was MTV. It was like this right. crazy stuff, right? The 90s bounced right back against that with grunge rock. And then you know, the 90s, it was right. like completely, you know, I think people collectively, like, they just felt this like, man, we want, we want that, we want natural again. We want something different, yeah. but, but yeah. familiar. Like, so obvious, obviously it's not going to happen in the same way, but I think, I think at some point there's going to be this like resurgence of like, I don't know, that well, now with COVID stuff, I don't know if it's going to be like in-person stuff, but there's going to be this like a change, right? And how, how we perceive things. And um, so I think, I think, yeah, it's a, it's a kind of month to month, day to day changing thing. And now with the state of the world now, I mean, that introduces a new element and layer to it altogether, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it depends. I think it depends on the artist. I think it depends on their, uh, their ability to tour. I think it depends on their, their fan base as well. And if it's something that like, you know, if you're in a crazy big pop band and you are posting, you know, one thing a year and like not really doing anything, it's like, you know, if you're in a pop band or like something like mainstream, like your, your online presence will probably be like pertinent, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's case by case. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So with, with that, um, I remember, uh, I mean, talking to somebody years back sort of thing, and it, it can be a, a really big temptation for, uh, for I think all bands and artists, myself included, to try to like, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's funny that the, the, the dynamic with touring, which is like touring is supposed to, when you think about it from a business perspective, it's supposed to serve a purpose, which is like yeah. gaining new, like warm leads for your business, which is helping to uh, make new fans that'll, you know, back in the day buy your music now stream your music and come out to more shows sell more tickets all that kind of stuff um but it's funny because because that like business method has been uh so like for all of us musicians so like idolized sort of thing of like oh man touring is so cool which which i'm sure it is just from a small taste of it that i've gotten it's like yeah it's a, it's a lot of fun being able to like show up in a new place and and it's like 10 hours away from the last place you were at and you're like in this new new room with new people and and you get to play this stuff you know it is really cool but it's funny thinking about it from like a business and marketing perspective okay this is supposed to be a tool that i use to to grow a fan base sort of thing and yeah. yet i think oftentimes the car gets put before the horse especially for me i know in my own life i'm like dude i just got to get on the road as soon as possible you know and it's like and like meanwhile you don't even have like the infrastructure set up to really be able to handle that well you know oh, to definitely. be able to, to to be able to yeah enjoy the dream but have the dream actually be able to to grow your platform and grow your business rather than just playing for some band in Texas because you can't, you know, and because you can't, and meanwhile, they're, they're not going to be any warm leads there. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think the, the steps for a band are, and I, obviously it'll, it'll depend on each band like we're talking about. I think with like everything we've talked about today, kind of depends artist to artist, but in your experience and kind of with the bands you've worked with, what are the things you think are really necessary to have in place before you try to jump out on the road sort of thing and, and, and be able to do that successfully? It's a great question. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think that struggle is is real for a lot of like smaller to mid-sized bands. You know, mm-hmm. I think you're at a point where you have people who are like, "Hey, come play in my town in Texas or Arkansas or like you know Michigan or whatever," and like you're like, "Oh, like, people would come to see us," but it's it's hard to justify it because it's such a financial burden. And I think when you're younger, it's a little easier to justify. Um, personally, I guess, but the older you get. I still think it's important. I still think that gra- that gra- grassroots kind of mentality mm-hmm. is really, really important and, and is, is real. And like, 
thinking about bands I've seen live who like I get into. And those are some of my favorite bands because I have that experience. I have right. listening to like a song, you know, like it's like I remember that first contact that first time. And yeah. I think that's still super, super important. But I think it it gets harder because it's it's hard to justify it financially when you're not like, you know, making like good pocket money every night or something, you know? Yeah. Um, I think finding a balance of like things that make sense. Right. So if you're like a mid to smaller size band, um, finding opportunities to, I think, first of all, this is how we've been. And I think this is a good method, but like maybe doing one tour that you do understand that you're going to probably make that sacrifice of like maybe losing money or maybe just breaking even of like just doing it out, going out there, playing who you can playing for where you can, but I think it's important to never do the same thing twice. I think if you're constantly doing the same kinds of opportunities and tours, especially when it comes to touring, I think there's there should be a red flag there. And I think if you're constantly doing those things over and over and, and without growing, it's showing that like you're 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 kind of in that same rut and, and you're kind of, you know, um financially losing money, but you're also not really growing that experience, you know? So I think it's a, it's a, an important balance of like taking that chance, doing that thing, understanding you're going to like, you know, maybe break even, maybe not make that much money, but doing a few like that, but then getting to a point where you're like, okay, we can't just keep doing this if, if it's not growing, right? If it's, if it starts growing, you have to kind of be a bit more selective, I think about your opportunities. And like, mm-hmm. you know, if you get a tour with like a tour offer from someone that's like the same spots that you just went to, and it's like with a band that's maybe your size or smaller, you know? It, maybe it's not the best idea, you know, maybe yeah, it's like yeah. stay home and, and write your next record and like be productive, you know, like mm-hmm. don't just tour to, to tour, you know, mm-hmm. but if it's an opportunity that's like a slight bit more of a risk, but it's like a band that that's like a bit bigger and like you, you'd be gaining more fans, new fans. Yeah. I think, I think the risks are worth taking, but I think they have to be mm-hmm. calculated risks and I think they have to be really thought through, thought through and not just be like, Oh, like, yeah, tour, like any opportunity, like let's jump on it. You know, right. I know that's hard because when you're starting out and you're just touring again, when you're younger, it's even possible. But, um, I think it's hard because it, touring is fun and it is great. And it does feel like a vacation with your friends and yeah. your music every night. Um, yeah. I think from like a business perspective, it's not financially smart or lucrative to just like, like accept every opportunity that comes your way, you know? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, here, uh, so for touring, what was your favorite memory with uh, Exiting the Fall? And then what's your favorite memory with uh, Valley Heart? Oof. Well, actually, I'll, 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 make it, I'll make it a little more difficult because now you can pull from three different pockets. What was your favorite uh, Kevin William tour as well? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we, I've done three. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Um, that's a hard question. <laughs> oh, Exiting the Fall. That's... I remember, okay, this this might not be my favorite memory because there are so many because we did like seven or eight tours. Dang. Like, yeah, it was a lot. There were so many good memories, man. Um, but just, just the first one that's coming to mind, I remember there was at one point, maybe it was like 2012 or something, where we were driving through, I think it was like the Smokies, like in Chattanooga or like outside of Chattanooga. And I remember just driving and it was just like the most beautiful day outside and it was like all the windows were down. And I just remember like looking outside and like the sun was just peering in like perfectly. And we stopped and like went on this like a national park and like swam in the river and just like explored these mountains. And it was just, yeah, it was one of my favorite memories. And we ended up doing that like a couple times whenever we went through that part of the country. And uh, I still have like a, a special place for the Smoky Mountains, but yeah, that's just one memory I have. But then there's millions of others. There's just like meeting people, like all kinds of different peoples in different parts of the, the States, which yeah. some I still keep in contact with and are still friends with some and definitely super thankful for those experiences. Mm. Yeah. Um, Kevin William stuff. Um, John, who plays in Valley Heart and Exiting the Fall. Um, he and I went on a tour, I think in 2016. Uh, and one of my favorite memories for that is we played a house show in chattanooga actually another chattanooga memory wow. um and i remember this house show we showed up and our, my friend james turner who plays a band called formative years who's awesome just check them out um he booked this house show and i remember just showing up not knowing what to expect this tour was the most diy tour i've ever done i booked everything through just friends i had made throughout the years and i remember showing up this house show and i remember walking into this room and there was like a hundred like kids there and it was just like insanity and it was like 
so so such a like not not what i expected and it was so cool met so many awesome people that night and just had a great time and uh it was super chill and that was probably my favorite memory from that tour that's awesome Uh, that's a big house either that or like you literally had people with like no breathing room yeah right oh my word dude yeah which would never you know now (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, Looking back at it, like, oh, so nice people. <laughs> yeah. Um, for Valiart, I mean, oh, there's there's a couple good ones, but I'm just thinking maybe most recently was the my epic tour. I had the opportunity to um to sing uh backup vocal, well, uh, like a, a kind of a backup vocal part on one of their song on my epic songs, a song called Lower Still. There's like a second verse where there's like a like a guest vocal singer, and I remember like. I like five years ago, like that was my favorite, my epic song. And I remember wow. just like being in my car and just like singing my heart out to that song, like so many times. And to be able to like flip, like I remember one show and we were in Atlanta, Georgia and like Matt Goldman who produced like Copeland and Essity's burn. He was like there and like every, there was a crazy cool show in, in Atlanta. And I remember just being on stage, like singing that part with them. I was doing it every night, but that night specifically, it's just like, like hit me. I was like, dude, this is, wow. this is crazy. And like, I'm just so thankful for this opportunity. Cause I would have never dreamed to like, you know, be up there singing like such a cool song that I loved so much. And the opportunity to like sing it with the guys who wrote it like every night was, was really, really cool. Wow, dude. That's amazing. Yeah, it was fun. Dang man. Imagine. So, so how old were you when you were like singing that, singing that song in your car? Oh, uh, maybe like that was probably like 20, 2011, 2012. 2012, yeah, like I was senior in high school. Yeah. Imagine if, imagine if 18-year-old you flashed straight forward from that moment to being on stage. Definitely, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like that's just that's so great. It was just mind-blowing. I remember when Aaron from my epic asked me, I was like, playing it so cool. I was like, yeah, man, sure. Like, yeah, no, that's <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta like take a look at the lyrics, like in my right, mind. Right, I already right, know yeah. all the lyrics, <laughs> like know all the harmonies. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, are uh, you gonna sing second harmony or third harmony? Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. so trying to play it so cool, but like inside, I was like screaming. Oh my word, dude, that's awesome! Yeah. All right, well, here, so I'll close up our discussion with a couple last questions. Um, mainly just uh, insight for um, bands and artists in the in couple areas we've talked about. So, what's been, <clears throat> I know this is probably, I'm asking a lot of hard questions, but uh, what's been the, I don't know, I guess the biggest thing you've, the biggest intuition you've gained about the recording process of just being able to get more of that initial like emotional texture and the initial inspiration you have and getting that to be able to be well represented in the final recording what's been like the biggest thing you've learned in that process throughout like the past 10 years of recording oh it's such a good question i love that question um i think recording is my favorite part about being a musician i Mm. think like i like touring like playing live i like practicing like but i think my favorite part is just being in the studio and like hearing a song come alive you know Mm-hmm. Um, there's just nothing like like hearing what's in your head and that you made with people or alone and just like hearing that become tangible. Um, I think a big, there's a couple things, but I think a big thing is to like, just follow your ideas, follow your brain. Um, I think it's really tempting when you get into the recording space, especially for me now and like people who are growing up and, and learning more about audio and learning more about technicality and the engineering side. I think it's really good, but I think it's really tempting to kind of start viewing everything like, mechanically and Mm -hmm. viewing it technically and i think that really inhibits your ability to um or prohibits your ability to your ability to just really kind of take your mind where it's going and like try Mm -hmm. weird things out and like try different things out i think it's just really important to just really have a vision but also just try things out and see how it makes you feel see how it works you know i think that's it's like making something on the spot like you really have to be interactive with with what you're making um I think working with someone like a producer is like really important, you know, I think there's a big shift towards like making um, stuff on your own, doing stuff on your own, which is cool, which I do for some, for my solo stuff. Um, But I think there's something really cool about finding someone who understands your vision, but also can extend what you're trying to do. I think a lot of times, a lot of stuff just 
the solutions right in front of us, but like it was just so in our head and we just listened to it so many times that we, we can't see past it. Mm-hmm. So to have someone else from a different perspective who gets what you're trying to do to be like, Hey, let's try this. Or like, what if we tried this differently? Or like, let's, let's do this. Or I think this needs more of this, or that needs less of this. I think that really, really balances out your, your kind of your mentality on the whole, the whole project and the whole song. Um, and that's what I love about working with Kevin Billingsley um, mm-hmm. for our last album, everyone I've ever loved. Um, him and I had such a cool time making that album together. And he really felt like, like a part of that project. Um, like he was in the band for, for that, those two weeks while we tracked that. Um, but again, it's a balance cause he didn't like overstep and like, you know, become too attached and like try to change anything. You know, he was really, yeah. really open, but also really, and I, and I did a lot of stuff in my house at that time too, like a lot of synth stuff and guitar stuff. And I'd send it, send it to him. And instead of him being like, oh, we got to re-record this. This sounds bad. Like, you know, because at the time, I think I was like still figuring out how to like record a lot of stuff and not some of it didn't technically sound good. But what I loved about Kev and, you know, he he took that and he was he was like, this has a vibe. Let's, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out in the mix. But like, yeah. I love it. Like, you know, let's so to really like find that balance of like engineering and just like emotion and like raw, just whatever mm-hmm. that might be. Um, so that's that's kind of where I'm where I'm at now. And. Still, still trying to find that balance, you know. Yeah, well, that's really great. Yeah, and it's cool to hear that too, because I can imagine like what you described about Kevin. I'm sure it just takes time, maturity to be able to like know the rules of the book, sort of thing of what frequencies are supposed to work and not supposed to work, sort of thing, and then being able to just like I don't know, but that, that's a, that's a really special talent to be able to have the maturity to be able to hold on to both things well at the same time of like being able to create music and being a mathematician at the same time of uh, knowing what, what yeah, frequency yeah of course, of course. <laughs> but I, I think, I think it's important balance because you don't want to work. You want to work with someone who's just like gets what you're trying to do. And if, if you want to get weird and like have a crazy sound or something and like not to shut that down, cause you shut that down. It's like, it's like, it's like almost like when you're in the studio, you're like a kid and you just want to play. And like, you know, and like when you have someone to tell you stop, it's like your parents, when you're kids, saying, get off that bed, like right. you want that in the studio, you want just like, you want to feel the ability to just like do anything and everything. And you want yeah. to feel this and you want to feel free. And I think that's when the best art is made. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So I think finding a producer who lets you, lets you do that while yeah. still being able to rein you in a little bit without kind of like crossing that line is, is really yeah. important. Yeah. Yeah. It almost sounds like, I mean, it sounds like to me, like it's, it's important to have a good friendship and good relationship with that producer. Too. I mean, because it's like you, you have to trust them and not be able to yeah. and, uh, be able to not take everything they're they're saying as uh, personally, which is uh, which is a pretty hard thing to to get over. You know? um, yeah, I mean, I remember doing vocal takes. I remember there was like a good two days where like we had tracked most stuff and like we were just doing vocals and everyone had left and it was like the middle of February. We were tracking and. Uh, Kevin and I were just like doing hours of vocals and vocals and vocals and we got into such a good groove of like mm. like we we were in the same wavelength to the T where like we would do a take and we would at the same time be like yes or no and like 90% of the time it'd be like yep and then we'd move on or like nope and like we knew exactly what sound we were going for and it was like we were completely in sync of like okay that's the vibe we want that's not the vibe here you know we would just move real quickly and that was a really cool syncopation to kind of fall into you know yeah but I, honestly I, I was thinking as you were explaining that i think that also just comes from uh i mean you've been working in the studio now for like what 10 10 over 10 years now as far as like the first yeah. time you recorded with i mean so i think that's something too with with just being able to build up uh i don't know i guess security in your in your ability as a musician and your and all that kind of stuff to be able to kind of go through some of those you know uh, false wounds enough in the beginning of like that hurt my feelings you didn't like my bass part you know um to you know to being able to to just be able to take it and and i think also being able to know how to i was thinking i think one of the main securities for me is like is realizing that like recording vocals is like a it's an instrument in and of itself like you, you you can be a good singer in your bedroom that doesn't mean you're being a good singer up on stage you kind of have to like relearn how to sing on the stage sort of thing to be able to just to be able to project prop- properly and, and be able to control your voice with the microphone because you're adding this different layer. But then I noticed like there's this third instrument of recording vocals is like very, very different because you're hearing your voice like with no reverb, no natural like warmness yeah. from the room. You're hearing exactly the way it is, you know, like right yeah. in your eardrums, which is a very, very like scary place to sing from, you know, which is different. Too- yeah. But you're right. It does take <laughs> years of, of kind of being okay with that. But even still, like there are times where like, 
you know, I'll, you know, I do a lot of recording here at my house now. Uh, but even like here, I'm like, I'm recording. There's just some days I'm like, man, like, oh, this is tough. Like, I, I can't get this one thing to sound like how I hear it. And right. it's much different when you're in a room or like, yeah, people are talking and it's, 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 you're so right, man. It's such different, such different beast and both have their, their challenges and, you know, but they're, they're different for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Last two things is, uh, what's the main insight you've learned? I think just in the process of like, um, or we won't say touring, just, just like booking in the first place sort of thing. Well, what's been like the major insight or like helpful thing you've learned with like, whether it be etiquette or just like how to be able to approach people or like what shows to book, uh, any one of those things, what's the main thing that sticks out in your head from like when you first started booking shows, uh, 15 years ago to right now, what was the biggest thing you've learned? Hmm. Um, I learned, well, etiquette, you mean you learn, right? You learn like things on the road, especially when you're touring with other bands, you know, like take your, take, break down your equipment quick. Don't like, you know, it, it's one of the tough things is like when you're, you know, you're, you're an opener and you're playing at a small venue. Right. And then like you finish and then like someone's like trying to talk to you and like, you're trying to like be nice and not be a jerk, but also like, you got to understand that like, I, you know, I have to break this stuff down because another band's playing. So right. I guess, I guess, okay. So I think for me, I get really worn out on tour. Like I love touring, but I get really, really, really exhausted. Not even, I mean, physically because of the traveling and all that stuff. Yeah. But for me, like the social stuff is like overwhelming. I think for me, I, I'm more of an introvert, I believe, but also just like those situations where like people are trying to talk to you and like which is amazing, which is so cool. But like when you have to like go do something else or you have to break down stuff and you kind of feel like a jerk for not giving as much attention as you can, right? Because mm -hmm. in any other normal situation, if someone comes up to try to talk to you, I'm not gonna be like, hey dude, like I'd love to, but like I'm gonna go do something else. No, I would at least engage with them. But I think finding that balance on tour where it's like finding kindness with yourself. I think mm -hmm. for a lot of times I would like beat myself up and be like, wow, like I was, I was not there tonight or I wasn't like in that conversation. I was just like, Cause you're tired, right? You drove all day. Like you just play, you sweating on stage and someone's like, someone's main event for that day was to come see right. you play yeah, yeah, your yeah. band and their attention is completely on that one moment. So I, I just found that like, a lot of conversations I've had, my mind is just like, I'm talking to someone and I'm thinking it's 1230. If we leave now, we're going to get to our next place at 4am. Maybe that's before the sun comes up. And like, they're like spilling their heart out. And I just felt really guilty about that for a long time and still yeah. do sometimes. But I think it's just navigating, like, you just got to, like, be forgiving to yourself. And, like, it when you – now I understand, like, other bands on tour, like, I'm so much more forgiving because it's it's hard, man. It's, like, takes a lot out of you. And it's mm -hmm. physically exhausting, immensely exhausting. So I think just kind of having, like, the understanding that, like, you're not all there when you're on tour. You are, but, like, it's – your head's in a million places. And uh, yeah. to kind of, you know, to try to, like, be okay with that mentality, you know? Because when I'm home, I'm very intense about everything I'm doing. But when you're on the road, it's like your your mind is just in a million places. So to kind of be okay with that is probably the biggest thing I've learned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really great. Yeah, I think that's... I think the the art art artistic side of things usually ends up lining up with a lot of introverts. <laughs> so it's like I think a lot of people who are um, right. wanting to be able to spill their guts out, it's like they're yeah. usually that way because they're very introverted and very like mulling over their own emotions, sort of thing. So I think that'll probably yeah, relate to a lot of people. Um, well, here last one um, is still kind of on the whole like uh, booking thing. Is um, what would you say? you know, I'm sure you've seen an evolution of how you've spoken to, you know, promoters or booking agents, whatever, over the years. Um, and I remember for me, I remember sending like a bunch of cold emails to people that I didn't know at all. And it's like, Hey, uh, I don't like have a, have a following really, but like, can I, uh, can I open for this band sometime? You know? And of course they never get back to me. Cause it's like, I did not do any of the things I was supposed to be doing there, you know? Um, so you know, and I think that, that that's an evolution that usually everybody goes through. So what's, what's been the, the top thing you'd say, do this and don't do this uh, when you're, when you're reaching out to venues or promoters or booking agencies, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's a good question too. Um, I don't know, man, it's, it's hard doing the cold call, cold email thing. I did it for years and it's really hard because you send out a million and you get back like, you know, a few and, um, I think just being really intentional about how your email, right. And how you like, how you, what you want to say, um, 
and also understanding that like it's a tough position for a promoter to like take a chance on something like that you know and not yeah. getting like offended or like cynical or like burnt out because like you're not getting your emails responded to like it it, it makes sense you know and i think not taking it personally is is a really is a really big thing um i don't know man i think my advice to that is just like it's kind of like the other touring thing we we're talking about it's like, like you if you're trying that hard to tour that's cool maybe a couple times but if you're like continually continuously messaging like the same people trying to get back and do the same thing yeah. maybe like stay home and write an album and write a good album and then release it and then maybe someone will reach out to you and try to book you you know what i mean like yeah i'm not yeah. saying that's like the easy solution to everything but i'm saying that there's i think for people stuck in that 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 rut which i've been there before i think it's important to like be like appreciate where you're at and appreciate what the resources you have and the abilities you have um and if you have the ability to be home don't just always think the grass is greener like on the road it, where like you can be doing something that can up your chances of being someone who would have a good show in the future right right yeah easier, yeah. Said, than, easier said than done but i think it's just more of a like a mentality shift of like if you're knocking on the same door over and over and it's just like not working out like try something new and like see if you'll come back to that opportunity and it'll present itself in a new way yeah yeah, I think that's really great. Yeah, I think that loops back in pretty well with what we were talking about earlier with yeah. not doing the same thing twice. Well, Kevin, hey, thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate your time and your insight. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, man, go ahead. All right, cool. uh, so what's up in Michigan? Like, are you, you mentioned music stuff's going on. Like, what's, how, what's, what's your world looking like these days? Yeah, so I am, um, yeah, because I think, uh, yeah, honestly, I think the last time I saw you was that uh, you guys were playing at, um, what's that? What's that sushi place in Salem? Was, was it? Yeah, Kodo. Yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah. I went there. Oh, no. it was like, or Opus. Was it Opus or Kodo? No, was it, it's, it's Kodo. It's Kodo. Oh, it's, okay, because yeah. Kodo is like the grungy brother, and Opus is like <laughs> the like nice preppy boy of sushi places. But yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I remember. I remember going to that, and it's um, you know, I, I was at my uh, my first year of uh, of Bible college at Word Life Bible Institute up in upstate New York, uh-huh. and I remember coming back home on break, and um, I went with uh, Zach Chekowitz. He was um, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he and I, he and I went with his girlfriend Sarah and our friend Connor, and um, and I remember it was like so different coming from like Bible college in Adirondack, New York, to like back to like. Yeah. pretty much like the strongest taste of massachusetts you could get which oh, is like yeah. a sushi bar with a heavy metal venue built in, <laughs> built into it and i was like this is an interesting pair man like that's i'm, I'm snacking on crab rangoons while while listening to, to some death metal sort of thing oh, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, who else played that show was it a hardcore show yeah it was back i think it was still when you guys were like uh capitalizing on the hardcore um okay like connection sort of thing so i forget the uh yeah, I think Conveyor played. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Conveyor, yeah. Yeah, I remember that show, yeah. Yeah, man, that was legit. And I think that might have been the first time I'd seen you guys, because I'd seen you guys, um, oh, man, I'm trying to think. I think, actually, that was in 2017 when I when I graduated. I'm forgetting now, but I remember because I was, seen you. That was 2016, man. That was our fourth show, I remember very clearly. That was in, wow. like, May of 2016, yeah. That would make like, sense, yeah. June of 2016, yeah yeah that makes sense okay yeah that makes sense i think i might have seen you guys back there again in 2017 then okay yeah we've been there a couple times yeah because i remember i think that's when you guys had just started using lights and all that kind of stuff and i remember i was like i was freaking out i was like this is so legit (laughs) i remember that we uh yeah we played there again actually that was the first show that that our now bassist chris played with us um okay roommate maybe listening so okay um anyway so yeah so i was uh i graduated from there and i moved back to mass uh for like i don't know probably six or seven months or something like that and then i um my wife and i got married and she's from michigan so she and i met at bible college and got engaged and then i came back home worked for a little bit and then uh, as we were just trying to figure out stuff to do we just decided on michigan sort of thing so uh just to kind of start off our, our life out here so yeah man so she's from kalamazoo michigan which is um where we're living right now it's like you know grand rapids yeah you're in the west uh we're like almost like directly south of grand rapids i mean like maybe it's like a tiny tiny little bit west um because it's like yeah it's west of detroit south of south of grand rapids so um anyways yes we moved out here and i'm trying to think man i've just been kind of like working a bunch of jobs like just doing factory stuff and everything and uh yeah i kind of like went to like a stripping season in the end of like 
uh, like the end of my second year at Bible college, you're kind of like just giving up on the whole music thing and going like, uh, I don't know if this is really what I want to do, uh, in the beginning of the year actually. And then kind of went through this really like dry, like not writing anything for like six months. And then was like, Lord, I seriously miss doing this. Like, you know, I know it was like a huge idol, but like, I miss just being able to like, I don't know, just like process things by writing, you know, and I hadn't been able to do that in like six or eight months. So, um, kind of started like building back up again and, and just wanted to like share my story and, and just like share music and everything. And so um, started doing music stuff and, and I moved out here and I was like full of vigor and like, oh, I need to get connected to the music scene like right now. You know, I don't have any songs out at all on anything, but I need to like play shows right now sort of thing. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's been kind of like a learning process over the past two years of just like, I don't know, I think learning to be patient, like you were talking about, learning how to like just enjoy the, the stage you're at and not be so discontent and like anxious about like well i'm not here yet therefore it's like not good enough sort of thing you know Uh, and of course it's easier to say now that like i think i've kind of worked through a lot of that like anxious itchiness sort of thing and now that i've like gotten plugged in with like with a a couple bands that like i was looking up to for a while sort of thing and it's been cool but uh yeah man so i'm just uh i'm with my wife and we got we got two kids now we got uh yeah was that congratulations i said that's insane congratulations man. yeah thanks man i appreciate it wow. yeah so my son is uh 15 months old and my daughter is uh is three months old so uh they're both they're both little tykes so uh, <laughs> i was actually just editing a, a video before i hopped on with you uh of uh, we, i got to play at creation fest last year and so i was editing this little like little you know kind of tour vlog thing that i put together and it was so crazy because it was almost almost a year ago in fact like next month this time it'll be a year ago since we took that drive out there and we actually went it was like me and i think my wife was like pregnant with our i think by that time she's already pregnant with our daughter so me my pregnant wife and my three month my six month old son in the back seat so i was taking a video of like driving the car of uh, me riding the back seat and then literally i'm sitting in the back seat giving my son a bottle while we're, <laughs> while we're driving out to creation that's crazy that's awesome <laughs> yeah dude yeah wow. man. cool yeah dude so anyways yeah that's what i've been up to man but uh yeah that's been about it so uh just like yeah man being a dad being a husband and uh playing music and getting connected to the local scene so yeah man awesome yeah i appreciate your time man thank you so much well that's it for this episode of the podcast guys thank you so much for tuning in once again I hope this interview was really helpful for you. I know it was uh, it was great insight for me and, and just kind of hearing that, yeah, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. You know, there's there's challenges and, and um, you know, even though record labels can be really helpful, um, things don't always necessarily change night and day overnight sort of thing. So anyways, if you guys really enjoyed this, you can go follow um, Kevin over at Valley Heart MA, I believe is what it is, over on Instagram. Uh, and yeah, just keep up with uh, what Valley Heart's doing. Just look them up online. And they've got some great stuff out on Spotify and iTunes and all that good stuff. Uh, seriously, there's there's some great talent there in that band. So um, really appreciate Kevin coming on the show. And uh, if you guys want to have him back again, make sure to uh, write that in the review. Leave a five-star review if you enjoyed it. And uh, make sure to say you want Kevin Klein to come back again because uh, I would love to have him back on the show again. So if you haven't already, make sure to go over to YouTube uh, and look up John Hayes Official. That's my YouTube channel over there. There's some good complimentary videos and content to the podcast over there. And uh, if you want to be able to keep up with everything for you know social media and my own personal music and, and all that kind of stuff, you can head on over to www.johnhayesofficial.com. Uh, it's my own website. That's just kind of a good landing page for all the different stuff I'm working on. So once again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, hope you guys continue to grow well.